0: The Lord has not saved you to carry you to heaven. That is where we're going. We're going to heaven, but that's not why he saved you. If the only reason he saved you was to carry you to heaven, he could have drowned you in the baptismal pool and took you home. But there is a work for us to do. He desires for us to live for him. And living in the will of God. By the way, that is what we're preaching this morning out of Romans chapter 12. Living in the will of God. And every word of the title this morning is important. Living in the will of God. And your life this morning should be spent for God. And your goal ought not to necessarily be to just die in the will of God, but to live in the will of God. And and I will tell you that you will die the way you're living. And if you're living out of the will of God, you're going to die out of the will of God. But if you are living in the will of God, then come the time when you leave this old world, then you will leave in the will of God. And so today from Romans chapter 12 is where we'll be reading and sharing with you the word of the Lord. If you'll turn with us in your Bibles, if you found your place and if you are able and willing... With us this morning, I'd invite you to stand with us and we'll reverence the reading of the Word of the Lord. Living in the will of God from the book of Romans in chapter number 12 and verses 1 and 2. Let's read together if you'll follow along with me in your Bibles. The Word of the Lord says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Again, this morning, preaching from the word of the Lord, living in the will of God. Of God. You can be seated. Thank you this morning for standing with us while I read the Word of the Lord. I would encourage you to hold your Bibles open today and to follow along with us as we'll remain in these two verses specific in the message entirely for the entirety of the message today and to share with you what the Lord has laid on our hearts from this portion of the Word of the Lord. Brother Junior Thomas used to say we're going to lay this portion of Scripture up on the operating table and we're going to dissect it and see what we can find inside of these verses from the Word of the Lord. Now Romans chapter 12 is where the the Apostle Paul writes of this epistle to the church at Rome and he begins to change direction in his writing. Chapters 1 through 10 have dealt with our doctrine in the book of Romans. And in chapter 12, or 1 through 11 deals with doctrine, but in chapter 12, he does a transition. Matter of fact, verse 36 is a doxology of praise that oftentimes you would relate to the closing out of an epistle. Instead, in this case, it is for the transition of an epistle from a doctrinal point of view to dealing with our doing. In verse number 36, he says, For of whom and through whom and to whom are all things, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, he's closed out that doctrinal portion, dealing with our doctrines. In verse chapter 12 and verse number 1, he begins a new message unto them, and it is a message about our doing, how we behave in our lives. Amen. In the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, are principles... But in this chapter, he begins to deal with the practical. This chapter was when I was a boy, an anthem of separated, spirit-filled, scripture-believing saints of God. It seemed like every time I turned around, somebody was preaching out of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Every pastor that I knew had these verses memorized, and virtually every boy and girl in Sunday school memorized these verses of the Word of the Lord preaching it seemed came here often and lingered long. We were reminded daily about presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. We were reminded constantly about not being conformed to this world but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. I find myself when looking in this chapter of the word of the Lord having every verse virtually either uh, memorized and italicized and underlined and marked and uh, different uh, markings or, or, uh, or uh, sections portioned off in this portion of Scripture. Verse after verse are marked with dates and times of where I have preached from them um, going back into the early 90s and where that we have preached. But it's been a number of years that I'm aware of that I've taken my text here But in this day and age, it seems like this has become an ignored portion of Scripture. People are in their day in need of the truths of Romans chapter 12. It's almost forgotten by most in the church modern world. People are empty in their relationship with God. And the reason why is because they need the truths of this chapter to be reminded to live in the will of God. The life of the believer is intended. I'm going to say this very carefully and I'm going to say it twice. The life of the believer is intended to be lived in the will of God. When the Lord saves you by His grace, He saves you that you may live out your life, your Christian experience in the will of God. I want to say that sentence again. The life of the believer is intended to be lived in the will of God. There are no free-range Christians. I hear about these chickens being raised. Free-range chickens. Supposedly, if you let a chicken run around, I suppose, in the yard and eat grass, he's supposed to taste better than if he's been kept up in a pen and fed corn. I haven't altogether figured out why that is, except for it makes some hippie feel good about themselves. But far as I'm concerned, if you pluck the feathers off of him, wring his neck, cut his head off and throw him in the frying pan, he'd taste the same if he was free ranged or if he was fed and cooped up and stall fed. But I'm telling you, when it comes to living for God, there are no free range Christians. There are no such thing as just doing whatever you want to do and being a Christian. We are the sheep of His pasture. The Christian life was intended from the beginning to be lived in the will of God. Oh, there are no free range Christians. We are intended to be lived with barriers for our protection, for our guidance, for our understanding in the will of God. This generation of new age religion And contemporary church Has colored outside the lines But God is still calling For surrendered, separated Spirit filled saints To live in the will of God A scriptural and spirit filled life The life that we live Is to be lived in the will of God Now this morning I want to give you Three or four things And then three or four things About those things We'll be finished with the message We're going to remain very specifically in these two verses of the word of the Lord. First of all this morning I want you to notice the plea that takes place. The plea the word of the Lord says in chapter 12 and in verse number 1 the Bible says I beseech you therefore brethren the plea I beseech you therefore brethren in verse number 1 the apostle pleads with the believers to yield themselves to God. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. This word of beseech tells us about the measure of the plea. That word beseech is to beg. This is the Greek word parakaleo. That is to call near, to invite, to comfort, to bring agreement. It is a call of peace. It is a beckon to others to come near, to come to the table of fellowship. The Apostle Paul seeks for agreement between he and the converts at Rome. I'm seeking for you to agree with me that we will use our bodies for the honor and for the glory of God. I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you, I'm beseeching you, I'm calling you to the table of fellowship with me and with the Lord. It is an invitation, that word of beseech, that underlying word, parakaleo, is an invitation to walk alongside. The word is very similar, some of you may have already put this together, it is very similar to the word used for the Holy Ghost. When Jesus said, I'll go away, but I'll send you another comforter. That word comforter in the New Testament is translated from the underlying Greek parakletos. Which is one that is called to walk alongside parakleto or or parakletos very similar underlying words. Now that word Paracletos, which is the comforter is one that is called to walk alongside. It is an intercessor, a fellowshipper a comforter. The apostle Paul gives us a spirit led call. He said by the mercies of God through the leadership of the Holy Spirit I am calling you to walk alongside me I'm begging you to come to the table of fellowship with me. And together we're going to surrender our lives for the honor and for the glory of God. The apostle gives a spirit led call for us. I want to say the preacher's call will mean little. If the spirit of God's call is not on it. But this morning it is not my word when I say unto you. That we are to live in the will of God. It is God's word when I say unto you. That we are to live in the will of God. The call of the preacher is but a voice. The call of the preacher is but a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. If the measure of the Holy Spirit is not in it, I do not come preaching my own will but the will of Him that sent me. Jesus even said that. It is the Holy Ghost that has sent us preaching. Thus saith the word of the Lord. I beseech you. I call you to a table of fellowship that we may walk with Christ in the will of God. And so there is the measure of the plea. And then there is the men of the plea. And the Bible said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. That word, brethren, it is a, uh, my friend, a call for the believer. Have Jew and Gentile, all who are born again. Have the brethren of Christ, those who know the Lord, male and female, young and old, black and white. It is a call for born again humanity to listen to the message of the Lord. If you're here this morning and you are a 10 year old little girl or boy that has been saved by grace or if you are the eldest person in the building male or female or if you're watching on the live stream this morning or in recording in later days or years it does not matter your color it does not matter your background what matters is that you know the Lord if you are saved by God's grace the Holy Ghost of God is calling unto you that you present your body a living sacrifice The brethren of this call In chapter number 9 of the book of Romans Paul deals with The salvation of the Gentiles He deals with the fact That God was merciful To draw them unto himself In chapter 10 and 11 He deals with the prayer of the apostle My heart's desire and prayer For God and the God is that Israel might be saved My friend in verse number 21 Chapter 10 But to Israel he saith All day long I have stretched forth my hands Unto a disobedient and gainsaying people Hath God cast away his people In chapter 11 And in verse number 1 That seed of Abraham That tribe of Benjamin Oh Elias saith unto them Oh my friend what you not What the scripture saith of Elias How that he maketh intercession of God Against Israel All over and over again He Tells them about Israel. He tells them about how they had eyes but couldn't see, had ears but couldn't hear. Oh, my friend, they had a heart but could not understand. Oh, but thank God, He calls all of them unto the Lord for salvation. And He says that these callings are not to be repented of. In the latter part, have a verse number or chapter number eleven. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Oh, thank God. But when he closes out that chapter About the salvation of Israel The salvation of the Gentile And of the Jew He begins to say brethren That is all of us Whether Jew or Gentile Whether you have a previous religious heritage Or not If you are a person that knows nothing About God You just got saved five minutes ago You can quote two verses Of scripture I'm bringing all of you into the same place present your body as a living sacrifice this plea is unto us all this plea is unto every man if you've ever been born again at all if you know anything at all about living for God now's the time for you to tune in this word is for you I'm not preaching to your brother or to your sister or to your neighbor I'm preaching to you this morning I'm not telling it like it is to them I'm preaching it like it is to you this morning. Amen. Brethren, listen, beseech you therefore, brethren, Amen. I'm pleading with the same people to sell out Amen. and to live in the will of God. Amen and to live in the will of God. In this chapter, he calls for all Jew and Gentile to surrender to the service of the Lord. There is the measure of the plea and the men of the plea. How many there are, there is the master of the plea. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. The master of the plea is not the apostle. The master of the plea is not the potentate of the sanctuary. The master of the plea is not the chairman of the." deacon board, or the pastor of the local Baptist church. The master of the plea is God. By the mercies of God. It is the call of God to live in the will of God. Hallelujah! Listen, if the only reason you do what you do for God is because it's expected or there's religious peer pressure on you, then you haven't missed the mark in your motivation. Our Christianity is not just about what you do. It is about why you do it. It's not just about how you do It is about why that you do it. Our motivation must be in the right place. Our motive must be to please the Lord. Our motive must be to honor Him. Our motive must be to glorify God. And that God is the master of the plea by the mercies of God. This mercy of God is the pity, the tender feelings of God toward us. As a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Amen. He's tender toward us. He has his move with loving heart and with, unmer- with merciful compassion toward us. The unearned forgiveness and favor of God towards the born again servant. Is the basis for the plea The reason for the plea is because We've experienced God's mercies If you've never known or accepted His mercy that He's not Looking for your service this morning If you've never been born again He's looking for your salvation But if you have been saved He's looking for your service And my friend if you've known the mercy Of God He's looking for Your service in His perfect Will and the call of God Goes forward to you who have been born again. to live in the will of god and so concerning this plea there is the measure of the plea and the men of the plea and the master of the plea and then there is the message of the plea He said I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies that is the message of the plea to present your body to present a metaphor taken from the beginning sacrifices of the altar of God The the person offering would pick out the choicest of his flock and bring it to the altar and present it there as an atonement for his sin and they are exhorted in this passage we are exhorted Into this passage, to give ourselves up in the spirit of sacrifice, to be as holy the Lord's property as the burnt offering was. God is not looking to kill you, but He is looking to take your life. Are you listening to me this morning? The Lord is not looking for you to die completely, but to die out to self that you may live unto God. He's not looking to kill you, but He is looking to take your life. We're not looking to commit suicide, then we are looking to leave as my friend to give our lives to God as a living sacrifice. Holy the Lord's property. That is, after they gave this offering unto the Lord, there was no part of it being devoted to any other use. When you laid a lamb on the altar of sacrifice, you took nothing of it back home with you. It all belonged to God. You gave it all to God. When you you are saved by God's marvelous grace. The concept is you've given your heart, your life, your soul unto the Lord and you are to take none of it for yourself. It is to be lived in the will of God to totally and absolutely and completely surrender to the will of God for your life. We no longer say words like, it's my life. I'll live it like I want to. It's not my life. I gave that to Jesus some 30 years ago nearly 30 years 31 years ago and now my life is Christ and His life is mine I live, nevertheless not I the Christ liveth in me and the life that I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me we are to be sold out entire, completely given in life as the sacrificial lamb was offered in death have God gave His all to us, and he wants us to give our all unto him. The plea, the measure of the plea The men of the plea, the master of the plea The message of the plea And secondly this morning I want you to notice The presentation that's taken place Unlike Brother John I did not commit to a time frame this morning Before we got started <laughs> The presentation that's taking place I always have one in here But I usually don't tell you all about it Until it's over with And sometimes I don't tell you about it then And the plea, the plea The presentation of this Not only does he say to present your bodies a living sacrifice, he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present your bodies the presentation. Do you know that God this morning wants you to present your body? God wants your body. God wants your body. I'm going to say that again this morning God wants your your body. I've heard people say it makes no difference on what's on the outside. All the Lord's interested in is what's on the inside, but that's not what our King James Bibles told us this morning. The Lord said we are to present our bodies. He didn't say present your heart. That's already been covered in chapters 1 through 11. Now for saved people, he's saying I want your body. He already, if you're saved, he has our hearts. Now he's interested in your body. He doesn't need your money this morning. He doesn't need your ideas, your intellect. He's not interested in your opinion, your wisdom, or your power. He has plenty of all of those things already. What He needs in this world is a body. He needs hands to work with. He needs feet that will walk. He needs your eyes, your ears, your tongue his body in this world is the body of Christ the believers the church of the living God and the presentation of your body is as it were a gift to God to be lived in the will of God is anybody listening to the preacher this morning The presentation. The presentation of what? Your bodies. Say people present your body. God wants your body. You say, but my body is young and I've not yet accomplished the things that I want. God wants you to present your body to Him now. And He will use your years for His glory. You say, but my body is old and worn out and tired. God wants your body. And when hoary hairs have filled your head down, and my friend, the time has uh, put wrinkles on your face. God will still use your body for His glory. God knows how to use your voice. Maybe you can't sing like a songbird. And maybe you don't have the capacity. How music you use it as others? But God wants your voice. The Lord wants your hands and your feet and to do His work and to go where He chooses for your life. God wants you to yield your members, as He says. Says in Romans chapter 6 Yield your members unto him We are to give him our bodies For his service
1: Amen, Amen.
0: We're not bringing this morning unto Him the bodies of lambs and goats and calves have my friend or turtle doves. We're to bring Him our bodies. This is what God is interested in. The sacrifice of self. The offering of self. The offering of our bodies. The Lord wants to use our bodies. I tell you this morning, that ought not to cause us at all to resist. That ought not to cause us at all to uh, have my friend get to stiff neck or rebellious. We ought to thank the Lord God in heaven somewhere yonder, wherever He uh, resides on the throne this morning, uh, that God would receive our bodies as a sacrifice. Uh, that God would allow us to serve Him. I mean, we are so inadequate. And uh, this morning, if you're filled with health problems, God will still accept your body. If you're filled with blights and scars, uh, God will still accept your body. You've got markings that testify. I sin in your life of things that you've done that's wrong. There are stories to go with the cuts and the bruises and the marks on your body. Some of you have got scratches above your eyebrows or cuts on the back of your neck, scars on your hands or feet or your arms. And you can tell how this thing was done, maybe in an accident somewhere, maybe in mischief or meanness. And yet God looks at you though you know about all your sins and your shortcomings and your faults and your failures. And you say, oh, I don't want to give that hand to the Lord. That's the hand that used to do evil things. I don't want to give this body to the Lord. This is a body that used to be yielded to the things of wickedness and sin. That the Lord looks at us and we realize we are imperfect vessels. We're not lambs without spot and without blemish. And we are filled with wrinkles and with blemishes and with faults and with failures. But Jesus has already been offered as our a dead sacrifice, as our sacrificial offering, as our dying of the old man. The dying of our old man was accomplished in Christ. And in Christ we died on the cross, was buried and rose again on the resurrection. And now we're walking after Christ and God says give me that resurrected man. Give me that body that I may use you. I'm so thankful, listen, to the Old Testament. If that lamb had one scratch on him, he couldn't be used. If he had ever had a broken bone, he couldn't be used. If he had ever had a scar, he couldn't be used that even look inside his mouth check out his throat if he had a sinus infection he couldn't be used of God he could not be presented on the altar when they cut him open if anything on the inside was discolored or not just right they'd throw him away he couldn't be used but I'm so glad the Lord had mercy enough to let Christ be our lamb and now he says to us since Jesus is your lamb I can use your body with all his faults and his failures and his scars and his discolorations and his shortcomings I can use your body God wants you to give him your body this morning hallelujah and instead of rebelling against that instead of resisting that we ought to rejoice in that that Christ would use our bodies hallelujah Whatever he says to give that unto him, it is a presentation of your body as a gift to God. But I want to show you how it's a little different than that Old Testament presentation. The presentation of the bulls and the goats and the cows and the sprinkling of the ashes of the heifer were all dead presentations. But he said, I want you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. It's yes, a living presentation, not a dead one. In the Old Testament, God demanded blood, He demanded a dead sacrifice. But Christ satisfied that demand. His blood is shed once and for all. And God is not looking for a bloody sacrifice any longer. He's looking for a living sacrifice. I want you to catch something I'm about to say. I may say the same sentence twice to make sure you do. God wants, hey, God does not want you to stop living. Are you listening to me? God does not want you to stop living. He wants you to die to self and to sin and sacrifice the old man and then live for the Savior. God does not want you to stop living. He just wants to change the way you're living. He wants you to live in the will of God. The world says if I was to get saved, get right with God, I'd miss out on all the good times in life. No. If you keep living for the devil and walking along the course of the world, you're going to miss out on all the good things in life. Amen. Those who are saved by the grace of God, we haven't stopped living. We've just changed our way of living. We are no longer living under self. We are living under God. We're dead unto self. You see, before we ever got alive unto God, we were alive unto self and dead to God. But now that we've been born again. We are dead to self and yeah. alive unto God, and His life is better than ours. Yeah. He does not want you to stop living, He just wants you to live in the will of God. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. That's why we live differently than what we lived before we ever knew Him. Because we've not stopped living. We've just stopped living the way we were living. And now we're living in the will of God. A living presentation. And secondly, not only is it a living presentation. It is a lovely presentation. He says a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God. Holy and acceptable. It is offered unto God acceptably. It is received of the Lord as a sweet savor. Holy. Holy unto God That word holy means without flaw Without without impurity Acceptable means Received of the Lord Oh received of the Lord In the Old Testament when an offering was Received of the Lord The Bible said God would sense in it A sweet smelling savor That is it would be pleasing Unto God's Sense of smell when they would offer That offering unto the Lord He would see and my friend that offering and be satisfied with it. He would receive it unto Himself as pleasant, as right, as holy. Oh, my friend Ezekiel 20 and 41 said, I will accept of you. He said rather, I will accept you with your sweet savor when I bring you out from the people and gather you out from the countries wherein you have been scattered. And I will be sanctified in you before the heathen. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15 reminds us that we giving our lives as a living sacrifice are like that sweet smell and savor for he said for we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish Ephesians 5 and 2 said and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice unto God for a sweet smell and savor 46 times in the scripture it tells us about God receiving the sacrifice as a sweet savor. But in the New Testament, it is not the sacrifice of our bodies dead on the altar. It is not a deadly sacrifice. It is our service unto Him, and He receives it unto the Lord as a sweet-smelling savor, as it were, my friend, holy and acceptable before God. Amen. A lovely sacrifice. Now, if you're like me, You look at your service to the Lord and it's like a loaf filled with leaven. The leaven in the loaf corrupted it. The leaven is that thing that germinates, that causes it to stink, to rot, to expire. The reason why that a loaf with leaven in it will expire is because that leaven is something that's alive. It's the reason why that, that loaf is not flat and hard. It causes it to expand. It causes the bread to be soft. But that leaven that is in the loaf is a likeness of sin. It's what causes us to get swelled up. It's what causes us to be prideful. That leaven in the loaf. I see my life. I see it as impure. I see my life as filled with flaws. I see my life. Has filled with imperfections. Oh, praise God. But I see it and I think there's no way God would accept this. It's not good enough. I don't measure up, I don't can accomplish enough. My service is imperfect. It falls short. And yet God says, if you'll just give me your body, I will accept it. It'll be pleasing. I'll receive it. The fact that God would accept us is such a privilege. It's such a privilege. A lovely presentation. God does not look at you and me. I look at my face in the mirror and I see lines on my forehead and crow's feet in the corners of my eyes. I begin to see the teeth that the orthodontist worked on meticulously to get them all in place. And yet they're all shifting back in different spots. I begin to notice when I try to do the things that I used to do, it's not quite as easy as it used to be. Yesterday when TJ and my dad and Brother John Michael and I were all getting some cows up and moving some animals and and doing some work around the farm, I watched him as he, uh, 21, 22, 23, however old he is now, it don't make much difference when you're that age. I watched TJ as he was over there jumping across some, Uh, some uh, panels in the barn and he reached up and grabbed a rafter like a monkey and pulled himself up and jumped over one of those panels and then landed on the ground and I thought yeah I remember when I used to do crazy stuff like that too you know what I did instead I walked over to the gate and I took the time to untie the rope and I opened the gate, walked through it slowly closed the gate behind me and tied it back up you know why? Because I'm not 22 years old anymore I would to God I could do those things now TJ I'll tell you that does not stop me from doing some crazy things sometimes. And I'll just about pick up anything and find out later whether or not it was too much. And I'll jump off the top of the trailer like I did a couple times on yesterday. But I don't try to land on my feet anymore. I just stop, drop, and roll to absorb the energy whenever I hit the ground. It's just not quite like it used to be. This morning I'm sure he woke up and John Michael woke up. and they didn't realize they did anything yesterday. I went to bed last night taking and woke up this morning and had to get a shovel to prize myself up out of the bed. Uh, that time has a way of changing us. I look in the mirror and see about half the man that I saw that 20 years ago. But when God looks at me He doesn't say you're not enough. When God looks at my life He doesn't say I won't accept you. I hear my preaching and realize that my speech has slowed down son. And I know that will only get worse and some of y'all are I'm glad it slowed down a little bit I realize that, that my breathing Hasn't slowed down some Every day of my life I have to take Medication, I have to keep my Respiratory system in shape I just don't have the strength or the, or the vitality That I had 20 years ago And neither do you, those of you who are My age and older But God will still receive Of me, my body A living sacrifice He still will accept it not only will he accept it he said it's lovely It's acceptable I like it Just give me your best son That's all I'm asking Christ has made up the difference Just give me your best Your best will be enough When Jesus' blood is added to it hallelujah, hallelujah Hallelujah The loveliness The lovely presentation And then I want to show you this morning The Lord of the presentation Holy and acceptable unto God. Holy and acceptable unto God. It doesn't matter this morning if you please men. It doesn't matter if you please the government. It doesn't matter if you please your peers Your family or even yourselves But our service is to please God Acts chapter 5 and verse 29 Then Peter and the other apostles Answered and said We ought to obey God rather than men Oh my friend we are to please the Lord And God said I am pleased When you present your body a living sacrifice I am pleased when you live in the will of God I am pleased whenever you sacrifice and give of your life unto me. I am pleased with that. What you're doing might not please the church. Might not please the brethren. Might not please your family. Might not please the government. It ain't going to please the devil. But if you are living your life for God's honor and glory, it pleases the Lord. Hallelujah. And I say, Jesus, use me. Oh, Lord, don't refuse me. Surely there's a work that I can do. Even though it's humble, Lord, help my will to crumble. Though the cross be great, I'll work for you. Have the Lord of the presentation. And then I want you to see the labor of the presentation. He said acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. Reasonable service. What God has demanded of us is not too much. Jesus died for us. It is not unreasonable for Him to call for us to live for Him. This is His purpose. This is His will. It's not too much for Him to ask us to live in the will of God. It's our reasonable service. My granddad used to tell about when he was in the military, and he had an unreasonable drill sergeant. Brother Danny can testify and tell you that every drill sergeant's unreasonable. They all are. (laughs) My granddaddy especially hated it. He hated it. He had a wife and a kid at home. He had a mother, a mother that was dependent on him, and a mother-in-law that was, had to a degree, dependent on him. And he had brothers and sisters or had brothers and sisters-in-law at home, all that were younger than him. And here he was with all these responsibilities at home. And he had been drafted. and didn't want to be there to start with. And he knew there's so many people back at the house that need him so badly. And he didn't mind it when he was doing something important. It didn't disturb him as much. But whenever he had to deal with the unreasonableness of a Drill sergeant, that'd make him upset. One day, there's a fellow that comes out there, and he's chewing gum while he's supposed to be standing at attention. They've called for attention and our soldiers standing out there, all of them privates, you know, nobody, nobody of any rank out there. All of them privates standing at attention, you know, and all of them waiting to be inspected and this and that. And there's one fellow standing in the midst of that, chewing his chewing gum. I mean, he's just smacking and chewing. That is a big no-no. I mean, that ain't supposed to happen. And the drill sergeant comes along, gets about that far from into his nose. And like Sergeant Carter, holding my friend, Gomer pile. he begins to scream and holler at him and yell at him. my granddaddy couldn't help it He thought it was funny And so he started giggling and laughing And the drill sergeant come over there And got in his face And began to say Private powers Do you think this is funny He said no sir Well, if you don't think it's funny Why are you laughing and Well, I turned. he couldn't answer Because he was laughing Because though he thought it was funny And the next thing you knew That man and my granddaddy Were out there Grown men now with a tablespoon uh, And digging a hole in the ground uh, and the drill sergeant said I want you to dig this hole with a tablespoon six foot deep and six foot wide and six foot long they did dug a six foot cube in the ground with a tablespoon at the end of the day they would work until they had no more daylight go to bed he'd go wake them up at 4.30 in the morning they would go back to digging that hole with a tablespoon my granddaddy said I couldn't see any purpose in that hole nor could I see why we was digging it with a tablespoon like they would have at least given us a shovel or something he never understood that it was punishment. He couldn't figure out what they were going to do with the hole. It seemed like the sergeant was unreasonable. And after they finally dug it, the sergeant would come along and hit measure it. When it got exactly six foot deep and six foot long and six foot wide, the sergeant came along, stood on the edge of it. He smoked a cigarette, threw the cigarette in the bottom of the hole. And he said, now cover it back up again. Oh, it just blew my pawpaw to, up to the moon. I mean, blew him up. He said, I'm telling you, that man was unreasonable, didn't have a lick of sins. Can I tell you something about the Lord? He's not unreasonable this morning. He's not asking you to give your life for Him. He's asking you to live for Him. He's not asking you to die for Him. He's not asking you not to work, not to live, not to have a life. He's not asking you not to love your family, to forsake every human on earth. He's not asking you, my friend, to uh, do some great crime. Or my friend, to rob the government or to uh, hijack a plane or a crane, a train or something like that. That is what the foolish gods of this world do. My friend, the foolish gods of this world call for men to commit suicide as bombers and to hijack planes and to try to topple governments. All God wants you to do is live in His will and live for His glory. And what He's asked of us is not an unreasonable thing it's your reasonable service reasonable service so that is the presentation the plea, the presentation number three I'm nearing the close this morning number three is the process how do I carry this out a lot of times in preaching we tell people the what and we don't tell them the how but God tells us how to carry this out verse number two and be not conformed to this world. <laughs> and be not conformed to this world. The Hayfield yesterday did a number on me. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the re- renewing of your mind. How do you carry out God's plan? How do you live in the will of God? How do you live in God's will? There are three words. That I want you to note here. In this passage of scripture. The first one is conformed. Conformation. Number two. Transformation. Number three. Renewal. Those are your key words to understanding. How to live in the will of God. Let's deal with the first of these three. Conformation. Be not conformed. To this world. And be not conformed to this world and be not conformed Amen. to this world. That is a part of preaching that's just about Amen. almost Amen. left out of the entire message of our time conformed to this world. That to conformed means uh, do not be formed or fitted to this world. To conform is to fashion alike, to be made of the same pattern. Oh God, help us not to be made of the same pattern of this world, uh, to be made in fashion or alike unto this world. Uh, this term "world" literally means an age or a period of time. Uh, that may be well said or stated, do not be fitted into the times. Do not become a contemporary of the age. Do not have the spirit of the age overcome you. I cannot embrace the contemporary religion of our time because it is fitted under the times. It has become conformed under the times. I'd rather be an old time Christian than anything I know. There's nothing like an old time Christian. Whether a Christian love to show I'm not ashamed to be walking in that old time highway and I'm telling everywhere I'd go that I'd rather be an old time Christian than anything that I know have conformation be not conformed to this world oh well, you don't listen our young, our young girls our young women do not have to have stringy hair it looks like they had not taken a bath in a month I like the rest of this world and these young people do I have not figured out why young people are in love with the grungy, dirty, filthy. looks like they have not been to uh, bathed in a while. Look, that does not make sense to me. And our young people do not have to embrace that. Our young men, it's all right. And my friend, if you still to cut your hair above your ears if they ever open a barber shop in your community again, it's all right. And listen, I appreciate uh, This morning, Brother Kevin and his son come in with the same haircut this morning. How about that? That's good, And I don't know if it was professional or not But it worked well Uh, It turned out real good Uh, Amen my friend Uh, We don't have to live like them We don't have to dress like this world We don't have to behave like this world We are not to be of the same pattern of this world We are not to be like them We are to be like him This morning Be not conformed to this world Hallelujah Don't be fitted To the time I'm going to say something right here. If you need to buckle your seatbelt, just reach over and grab it and latch it shut. But there's been tremendous pressure in these days to try to, try, politically, I'm talking about, to turn the church into something it is not. And I'm talking especially in the last two months. To turn the church into something it is not. Amen. I appreciate value and exercise. This idea of not being foolish in the way we behave. So as to compound health problems for ourselves and for others. I appreciate that. I have sanitizer here brought in about a gallon of it this morning. I believe you ought to wash your hands vigorously. And I believe that before anybody ever heard of a corona. Or a Cb 19 Everybody ought to wash their hands. I'll tell you how much Ginger believes in washing hands and how much she believes in sanitizer. John Michael, the way he stayed quiet in church when he was a kid, reason why he'll never get sick with anything. When he was a kid, he'd sit over there in church and stay quiet by taking the lid off, of the, off the sanitizer, putting it in his mouth and drinking it. Through church, that's why he was so well behaved. Through the church service, I mean, he will never have a germ on the inside the rest of his life. He may live to be a thousand years old. <laughs> I believe in taking measures to be clean and to be, to be, uh, wise. I would have loved this morning, Brother John got to singing that, I'd rather be an old time Christian and folks was rejoicing, I'd love to say alright you musicians, play us about two verses of that, I want everybody in the building to run around, shake everybody else's hand and hug their neck, this morning was not the time for it, I've been giving people high signs for six or eight weeks now and but I'm going to tell you something we are attempting in this generation politically, those who oppose the church are attempting to do all they can to turn it into something it is not, the church is not an online platform the church is not a place where the members come how that they my friend get in their place of isolation And my friend they talk to one another about their God how the church is more than a building And my friend even the building itself is more than a place for saved people to come we want sinners to come to the church we want sinners to hear the gospel we want to be a witness and a light. how we are called evil evangelicals for a reason, though I can think of better names for us. We are to be evangelists. We are to share the gospel. And my friend, we are to do that on every means possible. I'm not opposed to online platforms. We're on one this morning. And we'll be on multiple, my friend, as the days go ahead. And we have a YouTube page, a Facebook page, online web pages that didn't start with COVID-19. We've been doing this for 12 or 13 years. I've been on the radio since I was 14 years old. I believe in these other means of broadcasting the gospel. I've gone to the fire field, into the prison priest on the street corner, in the barber shop, beside the campfire. I believe in those things. But I'm telling you, my friend, that the church is not something to be pushed off into a corner. And the gospel is not something to be ignored. And church is not just about you and me, and ours coming together isolated from society. Hidden yeah. from the world, it's about display yeah. and broadcasting the gospel yeah. publicly yeah. and in the square.
1: Yes,
0: and it's about us fellowshipping one with another and breaking bread and having Amen. prayers together. Yeah. Amen. 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 Say something else while I'm right here. I like the real world Amen. with all of its flaws and faults and failures and shortcomings. With all of its, uh, with all of its imperfections, with all of the things that are not right in it, I like the real world a lot better than the virtual one. Yeah. Hey, man. I praise God for virtual preaching or at least preaching that's displayed or or that is broadcast through virtual means. Uh, My friend, there are some virtual preachers. I don't much care for that. But I like to hear real preaching over virtual broadcast. I appreciate internet, radio, all that stuff. But I'm telling you, I like the real world better than the virtual one. I appreciate somebody to look me in the eye. Amen. And I look forward to the days when it's okay when you won't get too upset about it. I'd do it this morning if you wouldn't wouldn't get upset about it. I look forward to the days when I can look you in the eye and shake your hand, tell you that I love you, maybe give you a big hug, and if the Holy Ghost is on it, give you a holy kiss. Amen. Hey, praise God. Sister Nancy talked about her pastor. was my wife's pastor. When she was a little girl, every time I ever saw him, he greeted me with a holy kiss. One of just two or three men I've ever known that's ever done that. But every time I saw him, he hugged my neck, greeted me with a holy kiss. And he loved me, and I praise the Lord for that. But I'm telling you, the church is more than just some electronic gadget. There's a big difference in church and Candy Crush. Amen. How yeah. many folks in church ought not to be playing Candy Crush? Yeah. How my friend folks at home that's listening to church, yeah. if that is their worship service for the week, if they can't come to church, yeah. they ought not to be playing Candy Crush yeah. or Fortnite or how uh, yeah. my friend Chinese checkers in the background yeah. while they're listening to the preacher, they ought to be tuned in yeah. and hearing the word of the Lord. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy yeah. of God, yeah. that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, complete, acceptable for God. I'm telling you, we ought to give all of it into Him. Yeah. 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 We cannot be conformed to this world.
1: That's right.
0: I don't like to think about it, but I know it's true. That there will come a day when preachers like me will be de-platformed. Now some of y'all don't know what I mean by that deplatformed that's a term they use for whenever they don't like what you have to say. Therefore, they take your words and your posts and your pages and your, uh, uh, your message off of public platforms such as these online platforms. You don't think that they would love to shut down voices like what I'm preaching this morning. You don't think they'd love to deplatform platform and that, take it off of Facebook? we have as a church played right into the hands of old Sloughfoot. We have made ourselves slaves to Mark Zuckerberg and to the Zoom meetings owned by the communist Chinese. And we have, did y'all hear that Zoom owned by the communist Chinese? Anybody remember China, where all this junk started to start with? China, see? C- China, and we have enriched them going to Zoom. And my friend, the people like Mark Zuckerberg uh, over Facebook, uh, and the folks, the wizards and smart, pointy headed people in Silicon Valley with Google that owns up uh, to YouTube, uh, that have my friend seek, and has been seeking for years uh, to suppress the content of God and religion and church. And we play right into their head. Because of our fear, maybe even necessitated, maybe even have good cause for it. I'm not completely criticizing all of it, I'm just sounding a trumpet of warning. And I'm saying to you, we better realize human beings matter. We better not conform to this world that seeks to diminish the importance of human beings. We have lost respect for human life. That's why we slay it in the womb before it's born. We've lost respect for human life. That's why we forsaken that. At the nursing home We've lost respect for human life That's why some people are satisfied To sit in their basements forever We've lost respect for human life That's why we think the virtual world Is as good as the real one But when God made man He breathed in his nostrils a breath of life And he said it's not good for him That he should be alone Until God made us to live for him not to be conformed to this world again let me get in trouble for what I do say not what I did not and do not say so don't make anything different of what I've said than exactly what I've said I'm not trying to say anything I'm saying it this morning (laughs) hallelujah and forgive me if that's a little bit too direct I'm just telling you don't try to make anything else of it I'm not a conspiracy kook I'm a kook but I'm not a conspiracy (laughs) kook hallelujah Conformation. You can't be like them and like him at the same time. Be not conformed to this world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second word, transformation. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transform is metamorpho. M-E-T-A-M-O-R-F-O-O. Metamorpho. That ought to sound fairly familiar to some of you. It's where we get our word metamorphosis. It is a total and complete change from one thing into another. That's what happens to a man when he gets right with God. He completely changes from one thing into another. Hey, thank God, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. A metamorphosis has taken place. A transformation. What's new about you? If you're not new, your salvation's not true. Amen. Amen. A transformation, confirmation, transformation. Then the third word was renewal. Be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind the renewal of the mind, the thoughts the thinking of man gets corrupted soiled, cluttered, and we must have a renewal 2 Corinthians 4.16 for which cause we faint not, how but through though our outward man perish the inward man is renewed day by day, you see after we have been born again and made new in Christ, we still are living in this world of sin and sorrow how we need for God to refresh us, to renew us, to revive us again we need that renewal of our minds yeah. that you put off. The Bible says in Ephesians four and twenty-two that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Have be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on the new man, which after how which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Yeah. John Michael and I were talking about yesterday how corrupt we become. How corroded the lines between us and God get sometimes. How far it seems like we are away from the Lord, though in our hearts we know we're born again. There are more days that I find myself, it seems like, struggling to figure out how to get in touch with God than there are times where I feel like I'm just indirect and and open communion, with unfettered communion with God. You know what happens, don't you? I need a renewing of the mind. This thing here don't always think right. And you might as well admit it. your mind's messed up just like mine is. Yeah. So, somebody said that fellow's messed up in the head. So are all the rest of us. I yeah. had John Michael yesterday. I told him, I said, don't worry. Sometimes you feel crazy. I feel crazy too. And I said, that means we're way ahead of the game. Most folks are crazy and they don't know about it. At least we're aware of it. So we're way ahead of the game. Right. Amen. Amen. Some of y'all sitting there, thinking, I'm not crazy. I'm talking about you this morning. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You're the craziest one of the bunch if you think you're not crazy. We all are crazy in our own way. We're all messed up in our heads. We all need a renewing of our minds. We don't always think right. That's right. By the renewing of your mind. And I'm preaching this Bible. i the preaching these verses. Colossians 3, verse number 5, mortify therefore your members, which are upon the earth, fornication an and cleanliness, and ordinance, affection, uh, evil, concupiscence, and a covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things Satan, the wrath of God, cometh upon the children of disobedience, in the which also you walked in sometime when you lived in them. But now do you put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, fear the communication out of your mouth lie not one to another seeing you have put off the old man with his deeds Had have put on a new man which is renewed he put on that new man that's our salvation which is renewed that is our sanctification have knowledge after the image of him that created him we are renewed in the image of Christ To we made new like unto him every day God must always be working on me yes yeah. I'm not a perfect vessel. I need Him to work on me every day. The process. Conformation. We're not to be conformed. Transformation. We're to be made new. And then renewal every day. We're yielding unto God. And I'm finishing with this. The proving. We talked about this morning. The plea. The presentation. The process. And now finally the proving. And we're closing it. Prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Prove is to test, to display, to provide evidence. Your life is the evidence of what God does in men. When people look at you, they should see proof that God saves sinners. And that He changes their lives. When people look at you, they should see evidence. That God operates in the affairs of men. Amen. When people hear your testimony, they should be aware that the Lord is not asleep at the wheel. That He does still work in the hearts and lives of men. Yes. Right. Yes. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. The life that we live should be serving as evidence, my friend, a test, a display. It should show that the will of God is good. Your life should evidence, should display the will of God is good. Oh, it's just so hard to live a Christian life. That's, my friend, not always the greatest testimony to give. I ought to say this morning, God is good all the time. Times are not good, but God, God is good. Things are not always good, but God is good. I'm not always good, but God is good. What is that good will of God? The renewed mind doesn't dwell on the bad all the time. Have the renewed mind dwells on God all the time. That surrender life shows that God's will is good. Have that term good is to say beneficial. Have my friend that it's good for me. That it is the best thing for me. Your life, my life, should evidence that God's will is the best way for us to live. That it is the perfect way for us to live. That it is a benefit for me to live in the will of God I say bless the Lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name bless the Lord oh my soul and forget not all his benefits and the will of God is good it's good Amen. Hallelujah. hallelujah the will of God is good the will of God is acceptable now there's two ways this thing cuts God's will is well-pleasing or acceptable to you. I want to say this morning, I'm a candidate for what God wants in my life. What God wants, I am not rejecting it, refusing it, shaking my head, or, re- or rebelling against it. I say, Lord, what you want is acceptable in my life. All right. I want what God wants. Even when I don't even know what it is, I want it. That's right. The will of God is acceptable, but that thing cuts the other way with Thomas. Not only is it acceptable to me, but it's acceptable to God. The only way that I'm going to live a life that's acceptable and well-pleasing to God is to live in His way. God's will is acceptable. That term acceptable means fully agreeable. There is no satisfaction like knowing you are doing exactly what God put you on planet earth to do. Amen. Amen. Acceptable. Lord, you're right. You are right. Good, acceptable, third word used, perfect will of God. That word perfect means complete, without shortfall. Nothing is better than God's will for your life. Serving God's the best way to live, and it's the only way to die. It is perfect for you, it is a complete plan. It may not be beautiful, sometimes it's messy. The sanctification process is not a clean process. The Apostle Paul, greatest Christian in the New Testament, looked at his own life and said, Oh, wretched man that I am. And he didn't say that the first week he got saved. He said it after being born again for 30, 40 years. He said, Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Sanctification process is a messy process. If you'll be real honest with yourself, today you have found yourself more disappointed than what you have excited about approving your own life and your performance for God. But even though it's not always pretty, not always beautiful, it's always perfect. Crosses are not beautiful places to die, but God's perfect plan is complete in us. Mm -hmm. When we die to self and live in God, we find purpose in life under the sun. No longer is it uh, vanity and vexation of spirit. Hallelujah. But it's perfect. Mm -hmm. The perfect Right back to where we started. Will of God. I'm finished preaching. Come on with a song. Living in the will of God. The determination, pleasure, and desire of God in your life. Are you living in it? Are you in God's will? Are you serving Him fully? Have you surrendered your body totally to Him? Do you need to do some house cleaning today? Do you need to submit and surrender to His will? The will of the Lord. Will you yield your members to Him to use for His glory? I beseech you this morning. I implore you by the mercies of God. Join with me at the table of God's mercy. At the place of comfort. And surrender completely to the Lord. Lock, stock, and barrel. Sell out. Give Him your all. It's not an unreasonable request. Forget about whether anybody, everybody, or nobody approves. And start worrying about whether or not God approves. Serve the Lord. Brother Kevin, you've been hearing me preach a long time. Is this the same gospel I started out preaching? We got a lot of this kind of preaching when we were growing up. And it's just as true now as it's ever been. I remember when I was a young preacher, preacher preached like this or convinced and followed my life. Didn't make me mad at the preacher. I mean, it, it put... It put a zeal in my soul to really get right with God. Amen. And to press forward for God.
1: Yes.
0: Hallelujah. Amen. And live for Him. Yes. If you're not in the center of the perfect will of God for your life this morning, I'd find my place in this altar to do business with God. Pray. We have plenty of everyone. Stand with us if you will. Sister Tanya's going to sing. If you need to call on the Lord, I I'd, I'd beg you, I implore you, I beseech you to come this morning.